Good morning, class. I regret to inform you that your regular teacher is out sick today, so I will be substituting. In the meantime, my name is Mr. Meacham, but you can call me Caleb. I hope your Friday is going well so far. I'm going to try to keep things light today as we make the turn into the weekend. As I would imagine many of us, or many of you listening, will appreciate. So if we can go ahead and open our books up to page 38 of Mr. John Chaffee's The Thinker's Way. Back revisiting this incredible piece of work, in my opinion. And today's section covers what Professor Chappie's... Am I saying his name right? Chaffee. Good grief. Already off to a great start, aren't we? So what Mr. Chaffee is talking about in this section, which is outlined as Think Critically, is, or are, the stages of knowing. So I'll kick things off. And then we'll we'll pass it around the room and have people do some reading out loud. You remember this, right? From school? Oh my god. I think I might have been the only one that wasn't losing his mind. Because I was always ready, I was always prepared because I did so much reading at home. But just seeing that look of terror in the eyes of the other kids that were sitting around me. I laugh, it's not funny. But these beads of sweat forming at their temples... Or on the top of their lip and their breathing would change a little bit. It's kind of going like they were about ready to have a panic attack. I get it. I was the same way back then when it came to uh, getting up in front of the class. I had no problem reading in front of the class. But if, if I had to walk to the front of the room or walk to the blackboard and work a problem out in math class or something. Oh my God, I was terrified. Absolutely terrified. Even if I had my back to the rest of the class. But anyway, I digress. So, the professor is talking about stages of knowing. And let me make sure this thing is doing what it's supposed to do. Okay, it looks like it is. So, this section goes like this. The road to becoming a critical thinker is a challenging journey that involves passing through different stages of knowing in order to achieve a sophisticated and effective understanding of the world. These stages characterize people's thinking and the way they understand their world, ranging from simple to complex. A critical thinker who has progressed through all the stages to achieve a sophisticated understanding of the nature of knowledge. This framework is based on the work of the Harvard psychologist, Dr. William Perry, whose work includes forms of intellectual and ethical development in the college years, a scheme, that's the title of the book, I'm going to have to check that one out, who used in-depth research to create a developmental model of human thought. I use a condensed three-stage version of Perry's framework, that's what Professor Chaffee's saying here, and he outlines them in three stages. Stage one is the Garden of Eden, stage two is Anything Goes, and stage three is thinking critically. An individual may be at different stages simultaneously, depending on the subject or area of expertise. For example, you might be at an advanced stage 
What is going on here? Oh, you might be in an advanced stage in, stage in one area of your life or your career, but at a less sophisticated stage in another area, i.e. your romantic relationships or conception of morality. In general, however, people tend to operate predominantly within one stage in most area of their lives. And this was very interesting to me because I find that not all, but most, most of the conversations that I have with people, I'm able to deduce almost from the word go what type of thinker this person is. Whether they are a deep and critical thinker or they are more surface level, more in the here and now, or what I've come to refer to as a fuzzy thinker, which doesn't mean they don't think at all, but they think as little as possible either because it's difficult for them, they struggle with it, or they simply don't want the responsibility of doing so. And that may sound ridiculous to some of you listening, but I promise you, you've, you've engaged at one point or another in your life with people like this, whether you are paying attention or not. You have, and you've also engaged with the other two groups. The more surface level, yet somewhat contemplative thinker and then the very deep thinker who likes to auger down as it were into the I don't want to say heavier because that's not what I mean but the deeper areas of the human existence you know morality uh, the potential of life after death the reincarnation uh, what spiritual strength is what philosophical strength is and I think the further along that we get into the thinking process the easier it becomes to have more meaningful conversations with whoever we are engaging with. Not that you have to auger down and talk about the really deep stuff every time you're with someone. That's not what I mean. But don't run away from the opportunity if it presents itself, either because of fear or because you don't know anything about the topic. If you're dealing with someone who is a deep thinker, Again, not always, but many times, they will be patient with those who are not because they understand their own position. And if they stumble upon someone like me or like you that isn't quite, hasn't quite reached that depth of thought, deductive reasoning, critical thinking, they don't take pity on us. But there's almost this desire to, inside their minds, go, I need to help this person. I need to assist this person and bring out, help them bring out of themselves the strongest and most efficient form of thinking that I can. And this, this is so important when it comes to things like um, solving problems. Um, procrastination and, and again this is something that anyone can relate to and it's another really great area of this book The Thinker's Way and he goes into an incredible examination of procrastination and I know for a fact and I would lump myself in this group that procrastination has become a lot more of a problem for many reasons 
than I think it used to be. Perhaps it's always been this way. I don't think so. Or maybe I'm just, I've been paying more attention to it so I notice it more. But here's what the professor says about it. Let's begin by examining an exasperating problem that almost everyone can relate to, procrastination. In fact, when I ask groups of people how many have some difficulty with this problem, nearly everyone's hand is raised as soon as I utter that dreaded word, usually accompanied by rueful laughs and knowing smiles. You know what he's talking about right here. Procrastination. I am a procrastinator. Whenever I have something important to do, especially if it's difficult or unpleasant, I tend to put it off. Though this chronic delaying bothers me, I try to suppress my concern and instead work on more trivial things. Does that sound like anybody you know? It goes on. It doesn't matter how much time I allow for certain responsibilities, I always end up waiting till the last minute to really focus and get things done, or I overschedule too many things into the time available. I usually meet my deadlines, but not always, and I don't enjoy working under this kind of pressure. In many cases, I know that I'm not producing my best work. To make matters worse, the feeling that I'm always behind is causing me to feel really stressed out and undermining my confidence. I've tried every kind of schedule and technique, but my best intentions simply don't last and I end up slipping into my old habits. I must learn to get my priorities in order and act on them in an organized way so that I can lead a well-balanced and happier life. This is one example. This is just one, one human being giving, in, giving an example of what procrastination means to him or her. It doesn't specify who this person is, and that's probably for good reason. Um, but it does, I mean, it's, this is perfect. This is, this is a perfect regroup on, that, on the prior sentence. Very often, when we are faced with difficult problems like this, we simply do not know where to begin to try to solve them. Every issue is connected to many others. Frustrated by not knowing where to take the step, the first step, we often give up trying to understand the problem. In many cases, we may simply do nothing, waiting for events to make the decision for us. Quote, I'll wait and see what happens, end quote, or hoping that the problem will go away. Quote, maybe I'll improve, end quote. Or we may take the attitude that nobody's perfect and that I'm just, I just am the way that I am. Acting impulsively without thought or analysis is another common response. And sometimes we ask for advice and then follows, excuse me, follow others' suggestions without seriously evaluating them. None of these approaches is likely to succeed in the long run, and they will gradually reduce our confidence in dealing with complex problems. You know, I find that one's ability to be versatile and agile really does improve the situation if you're willing to have that conversation with yourself or even other people that you see struggling. One of the things that I've been giving a lot of thought about lately 
all the way up until yesterday, even during yesterday's podcast, yesterday's show, is that we can focus all day long, if we want, on the more unsavory areas of our situation right now, i.e. COVID, the election, all this stuff. Or we can sidebar momentarily and start focusing on other things. Critical thinking, deductive reasoning, intellectualism, books, great films, great music, and in my opinion, great conversation. I am 38 years old, and I find it becoming increasingly more difficult to have surface-level conversations, whether that be with my colleagues, a family member, or an old friend. And that may sound ridiculous to a lot of you listening, and that's okay. I don't blame you. I was there once myself, believe me. But I find the reward that comes through those types of conversations, the deeper conversations about what we're doing here, why we're here, if it even matters. Is there anything after this? Or do we just go into the ether and that's it? We go and our body goes into the ground and that's that. <clears throat> I have no idea. There are days when I wish I knew, but most of the time I'm glad I don't. I think having that type of information, in fact, I know having that type of information would completely change how I negotiate and navigate my life. Maybe for the better, but also for the worse. I don't believe that there's anything wrong with augering down and doing so at your own speed and on your own time into some of the deeper topics of the human experience. I don't see anything wrong with that. Do you want to inundate yourself with it? Do you want to live in that space all day, every day? I have no idea. Do you? I know there are some of you out there listening because you've told me that wish you could have more conversations like this with people that were less surface level, less shallow, if you will. And that is not always a negative term, folks. Just like the word ignorant is not always a negative term. The word ignorance is, means you, that you simply don't know. And the word shallow means closer to service level and not deep. If you're calling a person shallow, well, that person's really shallow. Okay, now you've contorted it and changed that into a derogatory pejorative statement. I understand that. But if you say that you're having shallow conversations, that simply means that there is no depth to the conversation. That isn't a slam. That's not, you're not sticking a jab out to someone, depending on how you say it. Can it be perceived that way by a lot of people that don't appreciate what you're trying to say? Yes. It absolutely can. Is it your responsibility 
to make sure that you say things in a certain way, using certain words and using certain body language to make sure that you don't offend other people, my opinion, no ma'am, no sir. If you're deliberately trying to be a jerk, that's something else entirely. I don't think that ever works. Especially in response to someone else acting like a jerk. You're not going to get anywhere. But if your response is, after someone's acting like a wad and coming in hot and acting like a jerk, if you can, if you can muster the strength, and this takes practice, folks, believe me, it takes practice. But if you can rebound and you can say, well, maybe I don't understand what you mean. And this friend of mine that I've referenced many times brought this up yesterday, and it's such a great point. He said, in order to make sure, and he was referencing a group that is tied to his church. And he said that there was an organization, there was a question that was suggested you ask. Or there was a response suggested you give. After someone explained something to you, and I'm paraphrasing, it was something along the lines of, So just to make sure I understand, this is your response to the other person. So just to make sure I understand, this is what you're saying. And you repeat back to them what they said to you. Just so they know that you understood what they said. So if you've got somebody coming in hot and they're being a dick. While they're talking. If you can, if you can work that response into the conversation and say, okay, well, just to make sure I understand you, you're saying this, you're saying this, you're saying this. Force them to commit to what they just said to you. Because now they understand, one, that you heard them, two, that you're cooking a response for them, and three, hopefully you can start building some mutual respect or small amount of appreciation for each other by making sure that each of you understands fully what the other is saying. That's part of critical thinking, folks. And applying some deductive reasoning to a conversation. It never ceases to amaze me how much the, inf- the efficiency increases in an organization with some of my customers or even some companies that I've worked for in the past, how the efficiency increases once the communication increases. And I'm not saying you got to talk to these people all day and, and bullshit with them or you know talk about your hobbies and what you do outside of work. That's not what I mean. But while you're at work or while you're engaging each other, you make it a point To make sure that each of you are understood. The efficiency about the service or solution that you provide at your job. It goes in tandem. Imagine that the people sitting next to you in the cubicle next to you or in the office next to you. Or what they used to call these windrows when I was working at LA Air Force Base. When I separated and was working as a contractor. They had these... They were, they were like wind rows of just rows and rows and rows of cubicles. 
Imagine if your communication was so good that down that entire wind row, you could walk into anyone's cubicle, have a conversation about something that was brought up in a staff meeting or a climate meeting, or something that was sent out in an email that needed to be completed by uh, close of business or before the weekend, and everyone understood. Everyone was on the same page, what their role was, what their responsibility was in that equation, and what the desired outcome was from management or from upper levels. Can you imagine that? Now, apply that to the world of medicine. And God help us all to the world of politics. We are a long way from that. But as I've stated in other shows, folks, we do have to start somewhere, right? And we can't keep making excuses for each other. And for other people, it's not getting us anywhere. I wish it were that simple that we could just keep pointing fingers and waiting for someone else to fix the problem. We are completely capable, ladies and gentlemen. We have the tools. We have the resources. We have the means. Welcome to the Caleb Meacham Cliche Festival, by the way. My holy God. But we do. It's true. We have the tools to fix a lot of this. But it requires work. And there's a lot of you who have forgotten what hard work means. You've forgotten what it is. You've forgotten the importance of it. Which is sad in a lot of ways because for a lot of people, that feeling you get when you've accomplished something, when you know that you've done something well and the job was done well, It's a great feeling. It's that sense of accomplishment. And I think for so many people nowadays, they're in jobs where they don't see the end result. You know, you file papers all day. You submit communications all day. You sit in staff or climate meetings all day. While the ground pounders or the actual doers or the ones that are signing off on a project are sitting nowhere near you. You're a middleman. You're a middlewoman. It's it's frustrating, and I and I've I've lived and I've worked in that world, and that's why I left it. The fervor, the attitude in jobs like that, the expectations, and forgive the hokey phrase, but the mind games that were played in some of these organizations that I worked for, even when I was still on active duty, closing out my military career, were unbelievable. The lengths that some of these people would go to walk over others, figuratively stab other people in the back, talk nicey-nice and polite and cordial to their face, and as soon as they turned their back, they would shit all over them, That type of environment is not for me. I'm very protective of myself and other people when it comes to my emotions and other people's emotions, my thoughts and ideas, other people's thoughts and ideas that spend some real time working on it, trying to be better, and 
not being one of those that just goes along to get along. I understand the appeal to that because it requires virtually no work. That is the lazy man's or the lazy woman's paradise because it requires virtually no work. No leg work, no physical work, no cerebral work. And by that I mean no critical thinking and no deductive reasoning. I challenge you to give me one example of something that we use today or that we've been given or will be given in the future that we've appreciated, loved, respected, used every day, we're grateful to have that did not require a large, an inordinate amount of critical thinking and deductive reasoning, whether we're talking about cell phones, computers, GPS systems, tracking systems, aerospace vehicles, traditional air travel. Now we're having conversations about maglev trains and trains that are going to be built on platforms over existing highways. Musk has been talking about this both between his company that he calls the Boring Company, boring tunnels under large cities to run trains under him, or building these platforms, these train platforms, that go over the top of existing highways or freeways or interstates that allow a train to go zipping down this rail, maglev style, at hundreds of miles an hour. Hundreds of miles an hour. All of those ideas and all of these products, all of these solutions that serve humanity or serve a culture or society were created in the mind of someone using deductive reasoning and critical thinking. Period. So the question becomes, are you using this tool in your own life? And if so, how? I mentioned on yesterday's show that there is a a voice message area over at the website for this podcast. If you're listening on Spotify, you can go over to anchor.fm and search this up, search the Atypical Man podcast, and you can actually leave a voice message if you want, a question, a message, a comment, suggestion about a future show. I'd love to hear from you guys. Again, little tools like this, a podcasting platform where you can get on here, I can get on here, anybody can get on here and speak their mind, talk about things that they love, talk about things that they're interested in, whether it's work-related, it's uh, something to do with your personal life, your hobbies, things that bring you some type of joy, happiness, Things that help you feel content in your own life. Which, let's face it, is in short supply, I guess? Yeah, is in very short supply. The word almost got away from me there. It was trying to run itself out of my head. I had to reach out and grab it and trip it and 
kick it in the back of the head and say, nope, I'm going to use you. Nope, just hold on. We can have fun with this. We can absolutely have fun with this. And I think the more fun we're having, even and especially if we're talking about the more serious stuff that's going on in the country and in the world, if we can't laugh and try to be a little bit more or less, what am I trying to say here? It's Friday, forgive me. I've only had one cup of coffee. It's still relatively early in the morning. We've got to find a way not to laugh our way through this, but to have a few laughs along the way. Because if we can't do that, we're not going to get anywhere. It's going to be the same old grind with the same old conversations and the same old people day in and day out. And on a scientific level, there have been studies that show that that type of behavior breaks down the cellular makeup in a person's body creates aging it ages the body faster it age it ages the brain faster which goes a long way in delineating or knocking down cognitive thought cognitive ability changes the musculature in your body how your body performs physically There have been scientific studies on this, and it gets a little spooky sometimes because you're going, you're allowing your body to stagnate. What is the uh, the old axiom? Was it Newton? I might be butchering this bad. A A body in motion stays in motion. A body at rest stays at rest. So even if all you do today is add a walk to your your schedule, whereas you didn't do it yesterday... Whether you have a dog or not, family, put some music on, put a book on, put a podcast on. I would recommend the podcast just for my own reasons. (laughs) There's a lot of great ones out there. And go for a walk. Just take a walk around the block. Get some fresh air, clear your head. And plan your next move. It's Friday. What do you guys have planned for the weekend? It's rainy and gross here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area this morning. Give this some thought, ladies and gentlemen. I want this to be something that you can enjoy, I can enjoy that we can enjoy together, tossing around some ideas and not always being so serious or being so heavy, heavy, heavy into it. There's going to be shows like that. There are going to be shows where I'm having a difficult time holstering my opinions, my emotion, emotional position on a certain topic. And if that's the case, Realize what that is because certain things affect you certain ways just like certain things affect me certain ways. Things worry you. Things worry me. Things make you laugh. Things make me laugh. There is a way to have some fun with this. I know that there is. And I think if we can find a way to do it without people getting offended, 
even if that's some of you that are listening to this, it's a decision. Do you understand what I mean? To be offended? For you or I to get offended or pissed off about something that somebody says, that's a choice. We're choosing to be offended. Nobody's forcing us. Our friends in the media or in other areas, other segments, may suggest, well, if you hear something like this or you see something like this, you should be offended. That is still your decision, folks. Stop listening to those people, okay? Listen to yourself. Listen to what's going on inside your head and listen to what's going on in your gut. If your gut or your own mind says, that was meant to be funny or that was meant to be this, it wasn't designed, it wasn't meant to be offensive, it was this. Listen to that voice inside your mind, all right? Listen to that feeling in your gut going, no, there's nothing to be worried about here. Let's laugh it off. Likewise, if it gets really uncomfortable and you get that that sick feeling in your gut, or there's something in your mind going, mm, you know, something's not right about this. But either way, listen to your own body, all right? Stop listening to other people. It's not doing you any good. And with that said, I sincerely, sincerely hope that you all have a wonderful weekend. And if you do have families, go find something to do this weekend. Whether it's going to dinner, getting out for a walk, anything. Do something to fill your time. And maybe do something that allows you to practice some critical thinking and deductive reasoning. Until next time, my name is Caleb, and this is The Atypical Man.